and welcome to Cycling Talk with me, Georgia Mahoney. In this Southwest special, I went to my local bike shop, Cycle Scuderia, in Biddeford, North Devon, and chatted to the owner, Craig Willey. Me and my family all have bikes from here, and this is where we come for any services or repairs. I wanted to give you all an insight into the life of a bike shop owner. Thank you for inviting me into the shop today, Craig. Thanks for coming. What was your first cycling memory? Uh, I, I think I, th- I first remember riding a bike, road bike-wise, was actually with, with my dad. Um, we'd both got ourselves some Claude Butlers and just pinging around doing doing whatever we could, really. It wasn't very far. Um, coming from a, from a running background into the cycling, it was just getting used to it more than anything. And, and dad, I remember in the first few rides, getting loads of punctures. <laughs> that, that was it wasn't a, it wasn't a good introduction into cycling really can you actually tell me a bit about the running that you did uh yeah so uh i suppose i started probably around the age of 11 uh mainly cross country and track and as you as you grow a bit older and um you start started to allow to do a few more races uh, you you progress onto the road in 10Ks, really, and I suppose 10Ks was always the, the thing I really enjoyed. Um, Cross-country was just too wet and cold. You <laughs> did it because it's, cause it's, uh, it's there, but it was never really the, 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 the love. I suppose the road running was the thing. Uh, and, yeah, that was that was always uh, always enjoyed it until about 16, and then I suppose my knees got a bit tired and they started aching, and that's where the bike came in. Yeah. Do you remember the first bike you got really excited about? Uh, I do, yes. Uh, I think it was, I can't remember if it was my 16th birthday or my 18th birthday, but uh, I remember saving up the money to buy myself my first carbon bike with uh, with lovely polished silver Durace on it. Um, and it's, it's still upstairs now at the, at the minute, oh. actually. Yeah, I've got it upstairs. It's, it's in not in very good condition now, <laughs> but it's still tucked away upstairs, yeah. Apart from the running, what sports did you do when you were younger? Uh, I think, like most uh, young boys, at, uh, you know, of the time, I used to do a lot of football. Uh, I think your your dad was actually my coach at one point. Oh wow! Um, so yeah, uh, the football. Uh, I was in the school rugby team. Uh, it, I was a lot smaller at the time, <laughs> but uh, yeah, playing on the wing in the rugby team and the the school cricket team. But other than that, it was mainly the running, if I'm honest. Yeah. When did you do your first cycling race? Uh, first cycling race I think would have been 2005 or 2006 one of the the mid-devon pursuits early season pursuits they used to do on the um, old Exeter I think it's the a30 by the the airport it's a bit of an eye-opener got a bit of a kick in but uh, it was it was the first one to that I've well the first one we'd done and uh, well as I say it was uh, it didn't go very well <laughs> I think how I many people it. were you racing against I th- I think uh, the overall field was probably about 60, but being a junior at the time, we were the first group off. So they used to go off at minute or two minute intervals, and uh, then it'd be the fourth cats that went off, then the, the third, second person elites. So uh, in my group was probably nine or ten of us. Yeah. And as I say, I, I didn't last very long. <laughs> I soon lost the wheels. <laughs> what disciplines have you competed in? Uh, competed, I've just done the road. I've not. Uh, I've always been interested in the cross. Never been a, a, a proper bike handler, so I've not been. Uh, never been brave enough to go and give it a go. I've done a little bit of riding on the track, but no racing. Uh, so yeah, just just the road and, and crit stuff for me. Yeah. Can you tell me about some of your races? 
Uh, yeah, yeah. So I mean, the first the, there's a few that stick out. So the first the first race he ever did, uh, as I say, the, the springtime pursuits. You you remember thinking, yeah, I'm quite fit here, and then <laughs> then disappearing after the first turn because you just you just the guys that have been doing it since they were younger, you know, similar age to yourself and and possibly even younger again were were, were just fantastic bike riders. Um, yeah, so the first race sticks out, I suppose, quite well. Um, the wins always stick out, or win. So um, I remember the first win quite well at Hilton Airfield, um, chucking it down, a bit like it is outside now, really, chucking mm-hmm. it down with rain. Um, yeah. And there's obviously, there's a few that stick out. Um, you know, I think cycling's really good in the sense that with if you're a footballer, you don't really get to play football with the, the big pros. Um, but getting to you know when you go to some of the bigger races and you get to rub shoulders with uh, some of the, the the big pros, the the, the UK based pros, or even the the the, the big worldwide pros. Uh, so uh, I think you had Zoe on back along, but her father Magnus was used to come down and do a lot of the Southwest races. Oh. And rub, rubbing shoulders with those guys is is something else. And and I don't think there's quite a, a sport like it where you get to actually share the the field as it were with with uh, the the pros like you do in cycling yeah who supported you uh so get, getting me to and from races was always mum and dad uh they traveled all over the place so <laughs> mum and dad were always uh, always the ones getting me to and from the races and, and acting as mechanics and things like yeah. that i suppose so yeah mum and dad have been been all through life not just not just with the cycling and whatnot just everything you've done dad was my running coach um and and you know he's, he's supported as as, as mum with everything that we've ever done and she has with my brother as well really did you ride for a club or a team yeah yeah so i've ridden for a few over the years i think it all started off with um uh, a a local team i think they were called guerchotti at the time um and that then progressed as i went away to university and whatnot i started riding for satini uh, which was a shop down in the uh, down in liscard and then uh rode for a team called primal europe which is a clothing company, yeah. uh, and then a bit under the, the shop banner of, of Scuderia, yeah. Oh, that sounds really cool. What sort of training were you doing? Uh, Training-wise, was I was I was always really fortunate. Um, so my, again, with you know harping back to dad, he was my, my running coach, so he had sort of the principles of training there for to to sort of follow. Uh, and I think the beauty with cycling is a lot of the guys you do it with, they're, they're so knowledgeable. And I know things progress and we're, we're a lot more scientific now with what the, the sort of thing, even in the 15 years or, or 10 years even that we've, um, since I was doing it properly, um, the, the, the training has moved on massively. But at the time, you know, everyone, everyone talks about zone two. So through the winter, it's that sort of thing. And then in the, uh, as the season progresses, you, there used to be so many races. So a lot of that could be used as training anyway. Uh, a lot of the speed work would come from from the crit races at Ilton and and, and West Point and that sort of thing, um, and then it really it was a case of getting the miles in to 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 so you could do the long road races along with it really. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think the, the the that's something that's massively progressed over the years and become a lot more scientific. The the time I was at uni, I was really fortunate because I had a lot of, lot of time on my hands, even though it was a full time course. It's only twelve hours a week. Oh wow! So uh, twelve hours a week of, of uni time was was quite easy really. Mm. So uh, I, I could ride my bike a lot when I was down in Plymouth for the for the three years I was down there. Yeah. So you said about your uni. How did you manage your training around your studies? Uh, well, again, it wasn't 
overly difficult because a 12 hour a week course um, was was quite straightforward really I'd be in uni I think there was one day I was in for a full day so straight away that was six hours uh, and then it was sort of two hours for three other days in the week oh, yeah. so a Sunday would always be a long ride mm. I got a feeling it was a Monday was uh, was another day off for me so it was almost like a long weekend every week yeah. um, you know sometimes you'd ride home spend the night you know from Plymouth back to Biddeford which is, you know, it's a nice 100k ride, really. Yeah. Uh, and then you, you could spend the night or have, have your mum's roast dinner and then <laughs> and then ride back again. So uh, you know, we were really fortunate in that, in the sense that um, it wasn't loads of in-uni time. A lot of it you could just sort of do it, do back at the digs and um, and ride your bike when you wanted to. Yeah. What did you study? I, I did health, exercise and physical activity. Oh. So loosely related with the cycling. Yeah. I know you've suffered from illness when you were younger. Can you tell me about that and how it affected your racing? Yeah, so uh, first year at university, I, I really suffered with glandular fever, um, which it was basically, it was probably a year off the bike, if I'm honest. Uh, so it was, it was probably a year of doing nothing. Uh, and then just trying to get fit again after that, I suppose. You go off to uni with all good intentions, and I think the uni life sort of took over a little bit, and probably uh, a bit too much drinking maybe in the freshest <laughs> fortnight that, that, that happens, uh, and then you, you just you catch a bug and never really recovered from it. And so I think it was the glandular fever in the end, and put the brakes on for about a year, and then just try and get fit again after that. Yeah. So I suppose after the glandular fever thing, it was uh, things sort of took a bit more of a, a, a turn when no one really knew what I had. Um, the, the doctors in that at the time were talking about sort of things like lymphoma and leukemia and whatnot, mm. uh, which at the time I had no idea of, of what it was really. Yeah. Um, and neither did mum until she Googled it. And of course, then it's, it's, it's the end of the world. Um, but it, it, luckily, it turned out that it wasn't. Uh, things they took ended up taking a few biopsies and whatnot. Um, if I'm honest with you, I can't remember if there even was a diagnosis, but I sort of got myself better. And, uh, and, and yeah, yeah, all was good after that, really. Yeah. I know you're not racing now and injuries force you to stop. Can you tell me about that? Uh, yeah, I, I think the, the thing with the, the injuries, uh, I wouldn't say they, I sort of probably forced myself to stop more than anything. Um, one, I had a couple crashes in it after a, 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 a bit of a comeback. So I had one, uh, two identical crashes, which could have been avoided, uh, just riders going down in front of me and, and I end up going over the top of them. Yeah. Uh, and of course, the the ground's quite hard when you land, yeah. or if you land on a pile of bikes and whatnot, then it's it's quite yeah. spiky. So um, yeah, I had one injury where where at a uh, well at the time they just thought it was bruised ribs, so they sent me home uh, to to go to sleep. And I, well, I didn't really get much sleep if I'm honest. And, and a couple of days later, my wife Callie and and my mum forced me to go back to the the doctors, and uh, it ended up being a, a, a double bleed on the kidney. Oh. Uh, so I ended up with a fortnight in Exeter for that one, which was a, <laughs> a barrel of laughs. Um, and then, again, I got myself quite fit after that and, and felt like I was going quite well again. You know, and, uh, and first race back at Castle Coombe, the, the, another rider went down in front of me again and I ended up, uh, unfortunately, shattering my shoulder. Oh, and no. they ended up putting a, a pinning it all back together for me. Um, and after that, I, I sort of lost a bit of bottle. Mm, yeah. And I just, I wasn't wouldn't go through gaps potentially that you need to go through uh I sort of I suppose having not had many crashes up until then or certainly ones that didn't very that didn't hurt very much 
uh, I sort of realised it quite hurts if you do yeah. come off, and the risk wasn't worth it for me. So you, you mm. grow up, you you know, with the you get married, get your house, you need to work. Um, yeah. You know, then then other things progressed, and we've got little George now, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, it's just I'd rather spend my weekends with them than than travelling the country, really. Yeah. Did you always have an interest in the mechanics of bikes? Uh, I wouldn't say I had a, a big interest in the mechanics of the bikes. I suppose I've, there's always been a, a, an interest in sort of the bio, biomechanics of people sat upon bikes, you know, so sort of bike fittings and things like that. Um, the mechanics side of things, I suppose, come at it a lot later for me. Mm. Um, I've always had a, an interest in bikes and, and sort of niche bikes as well. The, the, yeah. Nothing wrong with the mainstream stuff, you know, the, your, your Trex Giants and Specialized, that sort of thing. Nothing wrong with them whatsoever. But... Um, you know, I, I quite like something a little bit different. So I suppose something you don't see quite so often. Things like the Pinarellos and, and mainly European brands. Yeah. yeah. When did you start working in a bike shop? Uh, so I started working in a bike shop. Um, another local bike shop, actually. I suppose probably 2003, 2004. Um, and then, so, so it was just a Saturday job to start with. And then things yeah. progressed from there. You grow up, you go off to college and you go off to university, which we've touched upon. And um, I left uni, came back home. I didn't really know what to do, in all honesty. I wanted to, I always wanted to work on a, a, in a gym on cruise ships. And I ended up failing the medical because uh, I was colorblind. So, um, so yeah, that was a bit of a, bit of a shock and, and didn't really know what to do after that. So... Um, I ended up working in a in a, a factory at the top of Isa Water for a little bit, mm. and then the previous owner of this place, Malcolm, uh, was looking for someone to come and help him, uh, and and it sort of seemed like a natural thing to do. I'd been in a bike shop before. I know the the sort of workings of a bike mm. shop. Got yeah. an interest in bikes, enjoy it, and it was a, a, a natural step, really. Yeah. How did you learn so much about bikes and how they work? I suppose again because I was quite uh, not not overly interested in the in the mechanics side of things to start with. It, it wasn't until I suppose after uni I, I started doing a bit more of that sort of stuff. Again, we, Malcolm was a, a massive help on that, so he taught me a lot of, uh, of of how to well anything that needs fixing really. Yeah. Um, the thing with bikes is there's so many different standards, and you're all they're always bringing out something new. So you're always there's always another training course to go on. Yeah. You know, the big one recently in the road stuff is discs. Mm. Uh, and, and, you know, two or three years ago in here, you know, we're in the shop now and, and you, there probably wouldn't have been many disc road bikes here. Yeah. Uh, and now we look around and, and, well, there's only one rim brake bike. Everything else is disc. Yeah. Uh, and so it's, um, yeah, there's, things have moved on a little bit. Bottom brackets drive everyone mad because there's so many different standards. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's, 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 I suppose most of it is down to either playing with it yourself mm. or, or being taught by, um, by, by people that you work with, really. Yeah. Now you own your own bike shop. What do you want the customer experience to be like in your shop? That's, that, yeah, that, that's a good question, that one. It's, um, I think everyone wants something a bit different out of a bike shop. I mean, I've always... Uh, ev- you can't walk past a bike shop without going in it. And um, again, because of the, the niche brands that I'm quite into, um, every time I go into a bike shop, I just you want to see nice stuff. Yeah. You, you know, you can see most stuff you can see anywhere, but if you've got sort of crazy super bikes that, yeah. that people, you know, even if it's just just for your own interests more than anything, mm. you know, people want to see something a little bit different. I think, um, 
you know, I think for from our side of things, uh, from from my side of the counter, you just got to be honest with people. Um, so if pe- if people want to go out and, and enjoy riding their bike, they probably don't end up on on something like that over there, which is I'm pointing at a Quota Cougar because it's it's a nutcase race bike, mm, yeah. um, and and you know it, it's not something you're going to be overly comfortable on if you're going to try and do loads loads and loads of miles and you want to be uh, sat a little bit more upright. So yeah. things like the one below it, the Gold, is a bit more of a, an endurance-based bike. Mm, um, yeah. And it's, you know, you see a lot of people riding around on the wrong size bike or the, the, the an inappropriate bike. Mm. So I think if you, if you, we just want to be honest with people. You, yeah. you want to sell them something they're going to they're gonna use and something that they want as well, ultimately, yeah. uh, but something they're going to get the best out of. The amount of times we see 55 kilo, you know, ladies, gents, whatever, uh, asking for 80 mil, deep carbon rims it's just it's so inappropriate mm. it's because they're going to be buffeted by the wind and it's just going to make things harder than they need to be yeah what brand of bikes do you usually sell uh so brand wise again we, we we try and promote as many british brands as possible so uh we do a lot of ridgeback which is sort of your your town and um Tarka trail use bikes i suppose yeah uh, we do a bit with genesis we with with terms of gravel bikes uh we do a lot with oro so they're a British-based company based in Surrey. Then after that, you start to run out of legs a little bit for the British thing. Um, mm. I mean, we're on thin ice with any, saying any of this stuff's British because they've all got a long boat trip to get here. They're all made over in the Far mm. East. Yeah. Um, after that, like I say, we go into European stuff, so we do a lot of quota. Uh, Pinarello's, are, I suppose, our flagship brand. Mm. And um, we haven't had any arrive yet, but we've got 14 Villiers coming uh, in the next month or so, I suppose. Yeah. How has coronavirus affected your shop? I think the the coronavirus thing is it, it hasn't really, if anything, it's probably helped bike shops, uh, and and it's not, you know, that we we sympathise with everyone that's out there that that, that is struggling because it's not a nice thing to to sort of have at the minute, um, and it's difficult for everyone. It's not just yeah. you know it's not just businesses. It's it's uh, my wife's a teacher and and it's made school really difficult as well. But I think the the bike shop thing. Uh, Every single bike shop at the minute is mm. is just mad. It's chaos. I mean, you, you know, you've walked in today. I tried to have a quick tidy up, but it is it is a state in here at the moment because <laughs> we've run out of space to put service bikes. People don't want to be stuck at home. Yeah. I think everyone du- during the lockdown, uh, the initial lockdown that we had, we were really fortunate in the fact that the weather was just fantastic. So yeah. uh, so 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 everyone wanted to get out on the bike, I suppose, because they'd had mm. enough of being at home. To the point where now bike shops are, are really, really struggling to find stock. Um, mm. So a, a lot of manufacturers have, have sold out of everything, and because the factories had to close down, you know, no one's been able to to build anything, yeah. even though everything's been sold. And now there's a, a, a massive panic to try and resupply the whole world with um, uh, with bikes again, because it's not just the our little island of the UK that that needs supplied with bikes. Yeah. What are your plans for the future for the shop and where do you see it in five years' time? I've heard you ask this to, to, to a lot of your, your guests now. Um, the plans for the shop is, is ultimately keep going in the direction we're going in. There's, yeah. the, we, we've got a few ideas um, and a few of them are being put into place at the moment. So uh, there's a few uh, expansion ideas um, mm. which hopefully will happen. Hopefully we can grow the brands we've got grow the uh you know we're, we're in a dark old corner of the uk down here in in north <laughs> devon uh and half the people you aim at there's no land there because it's all sea 
So um, we, we do pull from a little bit further afield. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we've, we, we do a lot of deliveries and we've taken a few bikes now up to Manchester. We've actually sent a few bikes to, or two bikes now to India. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, I, I didn't get a chance to drive there, which was a shame. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so we've, we've, we've sent a few all over the place. But yeah, hopefully we can, we can keep growing mm. uh, and grow the portfolio of brands that we've got, uh, hopefully in, in five years' time. I certainly still want to be here, that's for sure. Yeah. What advice would you give to people to maintain their bikes? Oh, clean, clean, clean. Clean them. Uh, I think the, 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 the bits that matter are more so the consumables. So things like chains, cassettes, uh, if you really look after them, I suppose sort of you're looking at about 4,000 miles out of a chain and cassette. If you let it get grisly and horrible, then you can half that. And of course, if you've got an expensive bike, uh, it becomes quite, ex- becomes quite expensive to, to replace the bits regularly. So uh, a lot of we, when we have this conversation a lot is um, the, the posh winter bike, as it were. You, your winter bike on days like today, you know, things will get eaten a bit quicker, um, yeah. you know, because it's all the muck and uh, canker from the road sticks to the chain and cassette and just acts as a grinding paste. So things that are, that are a little bit less money, because uh, mm. you don't, you know, you don't need to go mad on a winter bike. Yeah. No one knows you have to go mad on a summer bike, but, you know, it's just a nice thing to be on at yeah. the end of the day so yeah clean, clean the transmission keep the frame clean more if you're on a rim brake bike make sure you, you you're taking things like the aluminium out of the brake pads and whatnot mm. uh, and you'll just extend the life of everything which is yeah. which is you know what we all want to do really yeah some good tips thank you you've got loads of amazing bikes in your shop what would your dream bike be uh so uh, my dream bike uh is actually an older one actually my, um, uh, you know, we're, we're spoiled with some of the stuff we get to play with. But as, as, a, as a lad growing up, uh, one of my, I, I suppose, favourite riders, or, or certainly he rode my favourite bike I've ever seen, was um, a Pinarello Prince. But it was, um, it was a quite specific one. It was uh, when Alejandro Valverde was riding for Case de Pan. He was um, champion of Spain. And they did a Prince of Spain, uh, which is in Spanish colours. Oh. Most people think it's ugly. But uh, I thought it was, it's just a fantastic looking bike. It's, uh, yeah, so if, if I ever see one, because uh, they didn't make loads of them, if I ever see one in the right size, I'm, I'm snapping it up. I've only <laughs> ever seen two. One was way too small and, and one, was, um, uh, one was just rope. It was battered. It was so, uh, they, it wasn't looked after. So, um, yeah, we, uh, if I ever see a Prince of Spain around, I'll be, I'll be trying, to, trying to get my hands on it. It sounds cool. I'll have to have a look at some pictures of that. You might think it's ugly as well. <laughs> <laughs> Who's your favourite current rider? Uh, current, I've got a few actually. I've got a few. I think, uh, I mean, everyone likes Peter Sagan. He's just flamboyant. Yeah. He's a proper, proper racer. Um, I know everyone talks about Vanderpool, but I'm a, I'm a bigger fan of Walt Van Aert than I am Vanderpool. Yeah. I think Walt Van Aert's just, the, what he's just done in the tour mm. is. is it's well it's just fantastic he's, yeah. he's sprinting with the best sprinters in the world and then he's dragging Roglic up all the climbs <laughs> um you know so much so it cost him the world championships because everyone was marking him uh and I, I'm a massive massive Chris Froome fan I think uh and I know he gets a lot of stick for the Sky and Ineos thing but uh he's he breaks he almost breaks the mold the, the the times he's gone on the attack uh and the way he dragged Bradley around uh, around to Paris in 2012 was was just phenomenal Mm. Who's your favourite rider of all time? Oh, that's, that's for me. That's an easy one. Cancellara, Fabian Cancellara. Mm-hmm. He's he's classy, classy looking on a bike. 
could could race well, time trials with well, best time trialist in the world at the time. Do the classics, still turn up at the, the grand tours and win stages. Uh, he, he was a an old school racer that tried to go off the front. So yeah, yeah. Fabian Cancellara every day. <laughs> What's your favourite race to watch? Everyone likes the the, the classics. So your your Flanders, your Roubaix. Uh, we've just had Flesh Wallone, which was which is again a, another cracking race. I'm a I'm a massive massive fan of the Giro and the Vuelta. Mm. I think the the way the tours race, there's almost too much to lose now for the teams. So that a lot yeah. of riders are scared to lose it rather than trying to win it. Mm. Uh, but the Vuelta, there seems to be a bit less pressure on the teams, and it's just it's just bonkers. Uh, you know, they always try and find the hardest climbs they can. People try and race it from the front rather than than sort of scared to lose time, as it were. So it always seems to be a little bit more aggressive. Um, and the same with the Giro. The, the the Italians just find the hardest climbs they can. And and you know, it, it, even if there's snow on top of the mountains, yeah, we'll we'll, we'll just play for it. Don't worry about it. We'll just get to get to the top and we'll we'll descend <laughs> on snow down the other side. So yeah, the 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 Giro and Vuelta for me uh, are, are fantastic watches. And you've got the added bonus, they're three weeks long as well, yeah. rather than just six hours. I really like watching the Giro and the Vuelta. Yeah, I think it's brilliant. Where is your favourite place to ride? Uh, locally or? Just anywhere. Uh, well, my favourite place I've ever ridden a bike is, is Mallorca. Just, the roads are silky smooth, the sun's out, it's, it's lovely <laughs> and warm. Uh, so the favourite ride I've ever done is, is uh, the north side of the island, uh, the island so Antrax back to Porta Palenza uh, with a few of the drop-offs. But locally, I, I, I mean, everyone loves Paulas, so I've got, I got yeah. to say the Paulas loop, really. <laughs> what advice would you give to young riders? I think more so out of, more so than anything is just to enjoy it to start with. Um, yeah. you, you know, I think for, from personal experience with the, with the running, it sort of took over a little bit. Um, and, you, you know, you... You start to lose the love of it, and uh, I suppose you, you you feel a bit more pressure. Yeah. So, and with cycling, because there's so many different disciplines, and even within those disciplines, so for the road, you've got the you know you've got the it, when you watch the tour, you've got your sprinters and your climbers and your mm. your rollers and whatnot. Um, th- there's there's too many uh, hidden facets of it to know what you're going to be good at when you yeah. when you you know before a teenager or even going into the teenage years. So yeah, I think to start with, it's enjoy it. You see, and we see it in here in the shop. A lot of people, um, uh, or, or youngsters more so, uh, are on full fat, top flight, pro level bikes, and, yeah. and straight away, I've been and watched a few of the Tesco races, and, and you just think, you know, for some of the, the parents and children that, are, that that can't quite afford that sort of stuff, it doesn't matter. It's uh, it's not going to make a big big difference at that age. I mean, ultimately, none of us are really pressing hard enough for it to make a big difference. It's only the big boys where it makes a, a huge difference to them. But um, I think, yeah, enjoy it. Uh, make sure. I mean, because it's, it's coming into schools now as well, and it hasn't. It was never in school when I was there. So a lot of people are, 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 can try out all these different disciplines within this, within the within cycling. So uh, yeah, give it, give everything a go. Find out what you enjoy, and and stick with it for a bit. I think that's good advice. So I normally say you've got five minutes before the start of a race, but for you, I'll say you've got five minutes before the shop opens. What's on your playlist? Uh, well, even when I was racing, I didn't. I, no, I never really listened to music. Um, oh. I've got a bit of a, a weird taste in music <laughs> for, for someone my age. I think growing up, 
uh, I always listen to what my dad was listening to. So um, uh, I don't know if I should say it really, but things like Robson and Jerome, uh, the Carpenters were all, you, you're, you've got that blank look on your face now because <laughs> you, you're too young for that sort of thing. But uh, yeah, I, I suppose that it was always quite different. I, I honestly couldn't tell you now who was in the charts. Um, <laughs> so I, I, I uh, a, a lot of that sort of stuff, I suppose, would have been what I would have listened to going to races. Certainly yeah. once I got out of the car, there was never any music on. Uh, and in here, um, I mean, we're, we're all just having a yap about what we've got to get sorted for the day now. Mm -hmm. So yeah, unfortunately, it's, uh, it's, it's probably music you've never heard of. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for coming on today, Craig. Thanks for having me. It's been good fun. Mm -hmm. I really enjoyed chatting to Craig about his passion for bikes and how he always wants people to be on the right one. Now more than ever, it is really important to support your local independent shops and I encourage you all to support your local bike shop. I hope you enjoyed this episode. You can check our Instagram at cycling.talk.podcast. You can also find Cycle Scuderia's Instagram at Cycle Scuderia. And you can find my podcast on Spotify, Acast, or via my website. See you on the bike.